Why did you kill your father? You're just a kid, and you blew his stack out. He deserved it. Because he beat up your sister? He wasn't going to stop. He killed my mother. Cops say your mom ran away. Cops are stupid. I told them what happened. He dumped her in a coolant pool. There was nobody. Nothing left. So they didn't believe me. I believe you. Hey, everybody. I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Altered Carbon. Today, we'll be covering the seventh episode from Altered Carbon titled Nora Inu. What a great title. I don't know what it means, but pretty cool. Um, there is so much to talk about. This was a really, really great episode. I'm super excited to talk about this one. What, Without giving too much away, what were your general, general thoughts and uh, feelings this- on this one? There was a ton in this episode. I kind of wonder, uh, I, I didn't hate it, but I kind of felt like this stuff could have probably been sprinkled through the other episodes because I, I feel like the there's been like two or three episodes, uh, probably like episode like five and six, maybe four and five, mm-hmm. that felt a little bare. And this episode was just like everything you're really kind of wondering, like put into one episode. Yes. So I loved it, but I kind of wish this was sprinkled out a little bit more. But uh, I have paid quite a few pages of notes. Yeah, I think we're going to have a lot to get into. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our top five. I'll start off this week. Ladies first this week, we'll say. (laughs) Um, So my number five is Patricide. That's what it's called, right? I probably should have looked that up and double checked myself. (laughs) Isn't that what it's called when you kill your parent, your father? (laughs) I hope anyway, that's what I'm going to say. Sorry if I'm wrong, people. Um, You can correct me. Um, so we got the flashback of uh, Takeshi and his sister when they were young. And we've seen like little tidbits. So I think we caught, probably got a pretty good feel for, you know, what their life was like and, and how it wasn't great. You can tell they had, you know, like their, their mother was, was abused. It looked like we were guessing their father anyway. Um, it was at his hands and he just was not a great man. And we can recall um, when Takeshi was talking about how Isaac uh, didn't have what it took to kill his father, Lawrence. And you and I were talking like, you know, oh, does, you know, do you could just kind of see that look in his face that, you know, oh, I wonder if he killed his dad. <laughs> yeah, you kind of got that feel. <laughs> yeah, you kind of got that. We kind of speculate uh, from from that. So, and then we got it. We we got to see that, yeah, he, in fact, I think he looked to be around like maybe 12 years old or something. And, you know, their their father killed their mother. And it looked like he had then started beating up on Ray, probably um, talked too, but we saw her beaten and bruised up and... Um, you know, he just took it upon himself, you know, to prevent that from happening again, like from him, not just beating them up and being abused, but, um, you know, what if he killed his own kids? Like he killed his own, I, I'm guessing they were married. We'll say wife. Um, well, yeah, you know. thing you like, you know, his wife, uh, you know, looked Asian and those two looked Asian. He was just, mm-hmm. you know, some white dude. You kind of forget in this world, like, you know, they could have been anybody, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that the kids, that was their body because they kind of mentioned it like that was their first, not even really, I don't even know what you call like your first sleeve, like the one you're born into. I don't think they really give that a name. I don't know. Well, 
We'll say the OG. <laughs> yeah, the OG body. The OG yeah. sleeve. The OG sleeve. <laughs> yeah, but, it just, I don't know. It was, he, you kind of felt bad for him as a young kid. You could tell that he was forced to kind of grow up quite a bit. Um, you know, because when he was in virtual, he was very mature. He wasn't scared of Jaeger calling the cops stupid because they were saying that his mother ran away and he was trying to tell him that, you know, my dad killed my mother and they just ignored him. So just thought that was a nice little, well, maybe not nice, but, you know, just an interesting little insight into how this bond between Takeshi and Ray, because I think we see how this plays out in the rest of the episode and how, how, I mean, yes, they're brother and sister, they're close. Most siblings are close um, and have a bond, but they seem to have a stronger bond because of what they went through together and how he was determined to protect her and that they were determined to always be there for each other and not go through anything alone anymore. Um, yeah, very saw much how that like kind of played out. A place where they're like in the middle of nowhere, there's a radiation lake where he ends up dumping the mom's body. Mm-hmm. And that's where the cops like, there's no body. It's like, yeah, because he destroyed it yeah and you get the sense that the police don't really care to really investigate much like they had a body here so it's like shit now we have to actually do our jobs there's no body there's no work and that's probably what they're trying to tell the kids like dude if you just dump the body because that he ran away too and there's no body so there's no work that's our slogan don't you see it right there yeah yeah that was that was like way beyond some acid stuff too i can't remember now i I remember seeing what he called it and i don't remember now what some kind of pool um that was was like a radiation pool or something like so like a toxic radiation uh type thing that's kind of what I got from it too. So um, that was that stuff was pretty effective and uh, very creepy to know that you can just have that <laughs> at your disposal there to, yeah. <laughs> to be able to just dump a body. Um, but anyway, well, that's that's my number five. Good number five. So my number five is uh, really just ties into all the uh, moments from previous episodes that we kind of seen seen come to fruition in this episode. You know, uh, we just got to see a couple of different things play out, like the the scene where the envoys are training. That was when we saw a little flashback early in the season um, when Kovach comes into his new body, and he kind of calls back to that moment. You kind of see the whole thing play out. You see where Ray's in that moment too now, where she tries to attack. Uh, what was her name? I didn't quite get her name. The the like head um, envoy. Oh, uh, Kel. <coughs> Kel. So you see her like try to attack Kel in this whole like battle thing. She gives her gives her advice that she uses in the end. It's like if you're gonna attack, be be faster. She sure does. <clears throat> uh we get to see the journal from episode one. Mm-hmm. Um I, I didn't go back to episode one to see if the the passage that Kovach wrote into it was actually in that journal to kind of prove that it was the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't go back and look either. I need to. I feel like I need to go rewatch this whole series when we're done. <laughs> Yeah, and it was just cool to kind of see some of these things that, like, like you, you got to see bits and pieces of these in the first couple episodes. You really got to see them kind of play out in this whole episode. Because this was, like, almost like a movie, this episode. Because there yes. was, you know, this whole, uh, you know, rebellion type thing is, is was very intriguing. Like, you don't really, you figure out why they're fighting, but, you know, they mm-hmm. kind of joined because they were forced to, uh, Kovach and Ray. Mm-hmm. They were kind of trapped. They had nowhere else to go, and. It offered some sort of like a little bit of protection and they had no allies. They had no one they could go to. They have no family. Um, like she said, when they were in the forest, she's like, we've killed everyone we know. <laughs> so yeah. like, well, you know, if, if I had to give you advice or if we had to take advice to be to, you know, go find our allies. But like you said, we killed everybody we know. Yeah. 
So um, this this cause was as good as any, I guess, to them. I mean, they they didn't have any reason to be loyal to them, but it did offer some some protection. Um, and you know, why not? So what else are they going to the, do? You know, we get to see Ray in this episode, Kovach's sister. You know, she's somebody mm-hmm. that was a figment of his imagination when he first got into his body, and you think, oh, she's dead. Yeah. And come to find out, you know, she's alive and doing very well. It appears in this episode. She is. But I mean, my number five is kind of a quick hit, but it's it's something I thought was interesting. Just there, there's a lot of the tie-ins from the previous episodes that we see kind of their origins in this episode. Yeah, there was so much, so much, and we still have three more episodes to go. So I know, and there's still a lot more. I mean, that's that's just how. Um, uh, convoluted this whole story is there's so much happening and somehow it's all going to be related like we got this piece over here we learned about his history with the envoys and how he got to be there we learned about his sister we keep seeing sprinklings of her and we were you know kind of introduced to her at the very end of the last episode um but you know we're finally getting some big pieces and we still have three more episodes to go there's still a lot happening that we don't have answers to so oh, yeah for sure you know um i i know that we got a lot and like you said you know maybe you know it, it maybe it was too much at once but i think we still have so much more to go that we need we need to her just like you said we need to have like this little mini movie because it was this episode was a little bit longer than others. I don't have it down by the minute, but I think it was this like one, an hour and two, like one hour and two minutes. Yeah, this was definitely a little bit longer. So um, they're they're normally not that long. So I, I haven't looked at the time for the others, but you know, it seems like they're trying to really give us a lot. And I thought it was really well done. I thought this was a really great, great episode. And I'm glad that we got at least some of the answers, and hopefully we'll get some more. And maybe not. We don't know if it's been renewed. I still don't. Ha- don't know for sure if it's been renewed for season two yet or if we'll get one i don't know if they've wrapped it up that can it stand as it is or can it you know do we need a second season to continue on i don't know yet but i'm hoping we at least get some answers um at least more um to what's out there but um that's a really good number five we're definitely going to be um we're going to be getting into a lot. There's so much to talk oh, about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my, my four through one are all like very detailed and we'll probably cross over <gasps> a lot of them. We're going to be crossing over and, and we'll just keep this as general of a discussion as possible. We don't have to keep it too, you know, specific. We can, I think we're going to probably be hitting a lot. So um, that was a good number five. I like it. And we're definitely going to get deeper, deeper into everything that you just said. Um, so that leads me into my number four. And we kind of talked about it a little bit already. Sweet little sister. <laughs> There so, we go. Yeah. <laughs> so we we and I'm talking present day. Uh, we, you know that's how the episode starts. So we see her present day. This is after she has rescued them from the fight drone, and we remember that Kovach was um, ill. He was um, infected with uh, the Reaper, um, which was making him very ill. And uh, he was also having some organ failure. He had a blood infection and he just all kinds of bad stuff was happening. And um, so we see present day Ray. She looks the same as he remembers her. And that's no probably face why. Tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. No face tattoo, which I liked, by the way. That's kind of oh, a yeah, side thing. Oh, yeah. I look badass. Yeah. I'm, I'm not usually a, a, a fan. I don't like to judge, but I'm not usually a fan because I love tattoos. I have I have tattoos, not on my face, but I'm, I'm kind of hesitant about like, oh, man, sometimes, you know, that's just not always a good look. But I yeah. love that. Face, face tattoos tattoo. are one of those. It's like it's basically like you're telling the world, like, I don't need a job. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're like Kat Von D and you're a tattoo artist and that's the world that you live in, you can totally get away with that. Um, But yeah, any other kind of, you know, um, 
schmucks like us, nine to fivers, you yeah. know, that um, have regular jobs. Um, it's hard to hard to pull that off. But I thought it was beautiful. I really loved that um, face tattoo she had um, up on the on the um, by her eye and up on her. Um, cheekbone and up around her eye was beautiful but anyway um yeah so we see her present day he thinks she's not real because he has seen her uh you know he's he he's seen her in like his delusion so he's assuming she's like i'm just he's like i know i'm ill and you have to be fake you're not you're you're dead Um, because we see her the same um as as his um illusions uh so she's earned some money She's got herself uh, some clothes. Yeah, a little bit of money. Her house is like that. So when they were doing this whole thing, I thought maybe she was in a stronghold or maybe she was at Bancroft. But mm-hmm. her house was like, I, I'm pretty sure she was living in like the sky level. So I want to know where she got this money. Like that's one of the things we don't learn in this episode is all. We find out that she survived. She got some coin for, like you said, clones. And she's living in this very, very nice house. Yes. Um, yeah, we don't know where it's at. You don't the windows that she has look like they're frosted. So we don't know where she's at. I'm guessing she's probably not very ground level. Ground level seems to be, um, you know, uh, not many uh, wealthy folks are living too far down on the ground. So we're guessing she's up higher. I don't know if she's up as, up, up there with the meths or not. We can't tell. But clearly, yeah, she's got some good money going on. She's been on her own. I like when she when when he started to wake up, her line, welcome back, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's... Well, you see the like the 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 carelessness for sleeves where she's like, so you know, basically, like, hey, you're gonna die. I'm gonna kill you, kill your sleeve, and get you a new one. So you'll you know, I'll get you a better one too because she kind of made like she was putting that body down quite a bit. But yeah. uh, you gotta love his line back. He's like, you gotta save this body. Like you gotta save this sleeve um, because I again, we're gonna get that love triangle between Kovach, Ortega, and uh, Riker. So. Yeah, something's going to be happening. And he was definitely, uh, because we've seen how he's kind of getting protective of Ortega. He has feelings towards her, even if he tries to lie to himself and say that he doesn't um, and and make himself out to be like he's a heartless envoy and a a heartless militant when clearly we we see another side to him. And um, but she's just like, you know no big deal we'll just resleeve you she apparently has the money whether she's got a body ready to put him in or whether she's just like we'll just go ahead and kill this body you'll hang out for a couple of days uh in your in your stack and then we'll just you know resleeve you no big deal and he's clearly very protective of that of that sleeve due to uh, his feelings for for ortega um but she's like you know it's okay we'll get you resleeved something more durable something less gaijin and better hair and i <laughs> and i was like hey, i, I kind of like his hair but um i i had to look up gaijin cuz there was lots of you know foreign words in here and i didn't know i mean you could probably kind of get the gist of it as they're talking but i i, I was looking up a lot and gaijin is uh, japanese and it means foreigner oh so, okay I thought that was kind of cool. Something less foreign, I guess she's saying, and, and better hair. So I thought that was interesting. So just just my little um, tidbit on present day Ray. I, we have a lot, I think, to talk about with Ray and the rest of the episode. But I just thought it was a, a full-on introduction. We got the little got to see a little lover in the last episode. She's clearly a badass. Um, and she's beautiful. Um, and then we get to see a little bit more. She's got some skills, some healing skills. She's got money. And I think that just kind of leads us into the rest of the episode and what we're going to learn. So what's your number four? Uh, so my number four, uh, I kind of uh, went with the the stronghold. So, you know, as we see 
past Ray and Kovach, they kind of get together and, you know, I, how they found each other, I was a little bit kind of like, uh, that's that's a little, you know, want wah you know, mm-hmm. like what are the odds that those two would have found each other? But they stumble upon each other and they decide to go against their uh, allies at that point because it's kind of like blood is thicker than water. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, as they go through, they, they get into these woods. And I kind of called it like it's a party with the envoys when they were getting this whole, like, <laughs> you know, group party together. And it's like, okay, we're envoys. You can't have the weapon. We get to see that whole uh, scene from previously, but more played out, which was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some of the things that, that was interesting with this this thing is, you know, when Kovach is on the bridge. Um, Oof, the bridge. Yeah, you know, uh, I can't remember. I f- forgot what you called her name already. Um Kel. The leader. Kel. Kelchrist Falconer is her, her full name, but they just call her Kel. She, you know, she comes out as he's trapped and, um, you know, the first thing, the first introduction you really get between uh, her and it's like her second hand man. Basically, he's like, you know, I say we should kill him. And she's like, mm-hmm. this is not a democracy. He's like, okay, well, <laughs> I request that we kill him. Duly noted. <laughs> um, and, and you really see like this whole thing. Like she talks about like, hey, I want you, you two to fight with us because, you know, she knows the crime world. You know, the government world. They're basically the same thing. Yep. So she doesn't see a distinction. Yeah. So you're really seeing like, I mean, you hear people talk about that stuff today is like, you know, government's, you know, legal crime and mm-hmm. and there's crime. And you're really seeing that that's how they feel at this point. And she gives them an offer to join. And this is kind of like one of the things I noted was the, I guess, kind of the quips from, you know, past Kovach and actual Kovach and Riker. Very similar. Mm-hmm. which I think is a, a testament to the actors because I think you can write that really well because you're basically writing the same character. It's just like, oh, it's in body A, it's in body B. But for a character to pull that off or an actor to pull that off, I think kind of challenging. Yeah. And I at agree. least for it to come off the same way. Like it's one of those things if they had, if you closed your eyes and heard them talking, it might be a little bit tough to know which one's actually, you know, which actor's playing the part. And, you know, she comes down and she says something along the lines of like, you know, she starts talking. He's like, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to be a part of this. And she's like, well, I didn't offer you anything yet. He's like, I'm still just telling you I'm not part of this. <laughs> really sticking to his guns. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and the, the other line I wrote down that I thought was really funny, she was talking about, was like, well, the enemy of my enemy and Kovach jumps in is like, is another person that will knife me in my sleep. Yeah. And you see that, I mean, Kovach has not had a very, you know, trusting life. No. And at this point, too, he has just learned that the guy who said, hey, we're going to take care of your sister. We're going to, you know, give her to a good family. He just found out that they just sold her to the Yakuza. Yeah. And so even if he had like a shred of trust for this, you know, planetary government, it's all out the window. So he's like, why am I going to trust these, you know, rugged bandits that have me tied to a bridge? Exactly. He has no reason to trust them. Uh, he knows who they are uh, and he knows who she is without, you know, hearing her name first. Um, but yeah, he he definitely doesn't have much reason to trust anyone after, you know, look at what they went through when they were kids. You know, they couldn't even trust their own father. I mean, if that doesn't like pretty much make you extremely distrustful of everyone and everything in your life, what what does, you know? Um, and then, yeah, like I said, he just found out about, you know, thinking that his sister, because he wasn't even allowed to tell her goodbye from that moment when he agreed to train as a SeaTac and go off with Jaeger. You know, he didn't even get to, he's like, I, I got to go tell my sister. And he's like, not if you want to keep her safe, which obviously was clearly a lie this whole time. But, um, but you know, of course he's completely distrustful um, of everything. So really great scene. 
that that was a very beautiful i mean i would not be on that bridge for shit but it was <laughs> watching it from my tv screen wasn't yeah. so bad oh yeah um, not a big was, fan of heights yeah not a big fan of heights i do not enjoy bridges at any level and definitely not on one of them skinny darn wooden bridges oh Forget you know those things that. like that one they had was like one of those swaying bridges like if that wind was no. blowing or somebody you know is a jerk and starts rocking it yeah no haven't we all seen temple of doom yeah. You know what happens on those wooden bridges with the crocodiles down below waiting to hit you in pieces? <laughs> no. No thanks. Um, or at least fall to your death. I don't know if there were any crocodiles in the, in that world, but um, at least it was high enough. You're going you're gonna to yeah. die. I think at that height, it doesn't matter if there's anything below. They're just going to be like eating the, the remains that explode all over the place. Yeah. There's, there's, there's nothing left. I think even at that point, your stack would be destroyed as yeah, well. Yeah, I would assume so, yeah. I don't know that it would... I, I'm not sure what it's made out of, but um, I know that it couldn't take... Weren't, weren't they telling us in the beginning, you can't uh, take a hard blow. So I guess, I guess if you took a really hard blow to the back of your neck, um, it could be destroyed. So, so yeah, I think real death would be happening. Um, <laughs> a little RD, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's... Yeah, that was a really great scene and uh, really great thoughts. Yeah, report. and just just a few things with that other. I've got a few more stuff on this with. Yeah, so keep like going. I love the, it. You know, this camp. You know, they they're very like against it at first, and there's a few scenes this where you get a little of a clip because whenever there's like rebellion things, especially when it feels like it's a very tyrannical type government, like or a tyrannical type event. Like I always feel like, yeah, you like I've always been an underdog fan, mm-hmm. and you yes. know, it's kind of like Star Wars in this. Like they show up to this camp, and there's these families and these kids, and like they're they're fighting this, you know. Um, Goliath type of opponent, you know, and and they talk about like, hey, you know, we tried to live alongside him, or we tried to live with, live with, uh, yeah, alongside him. Actually, it was more next to him, and slowly they started kind of interacting more and becoming part of this group. And the scene, there, there's a couple scenes that I thought were funny. One I, I wrote down is "Don't hurt my brother, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> so going back to that scene where they're kind of doing the weapons training, mm-hmm. you know, she's got Kovach pinned, uh, Kel does, and you know, Ray tries to shoot her. And uh, that's like what I had in my mind is like, you know, like whenever, uh, like my sister would have done this, like when people were beating me up, she'd be like, don't hurt my brother, bitches. Well, yeah, she's allowed to beat you up, but no yeah, one else is allowed to exactly. touch you. Yeah. And we learned through this whole thing is like, this is their attempt to build a pack. You know, she says like, you're going to go places. The first thing you need to do is build a pack. And what's Kovach doing in this new world he's in? He's building he's, his pack. Exactly. He's mm-hmm. got an AI guy. He's got people like he's building people he can trust. Mm-hmm. They may be expand, expendable, but they're people that he can trust. Yep. And there's a few scenes in this that I got a little verklempt. Um, You know, <laughs> whenever, you know, they first get in there and they kind of see this family and they start becoming part of the group. But it was the first mission that they went on where they cast it into security guards and you see them all come back but Kovach and the one guy who him and or him and Govatch are button heads. He's like, you know, he he pushed me out of the way and got me here. He's like that son of a bitch, blah blah blah. And Kovach comes back, and it's kind of, it's one of those things. I think it's like a very like dude soldiery type thing. It's like you know, I'm willing to die for this cause, and you didn't, you stopped that from happening. And you know, the guy comes and says, like, Kovach basically tells him, like, you know, you never do that again. I can handle myself. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh shit! Like, what's this going to lead to? And without saying a word, he just slides his drink over. He's like, "Good talk." Yes, I and I it, love that moment. Oh yeah, because it's one of those things. It's like, dude, thank you, but I'm I'm not man enough to say thank you except with this drink and just the words "good talk." And yep. so that kind of that kind of got me a little bit. Yeah, and then you know what got me? That did me too. I agree with everything you just said. And then we saw that later, which 
made me so sad was yeah. at the end when he had to take him out. They were all a little bit crazy with that virus that they were infected with when the SeaTac was destroying um, all of the envoys and their um, their caves and such. And he had to take him out. And what did he tell him right before he took a stack out? Yeah, good talk. Good talk. And I was like, that- oh, no. <laughs> Oh, that was a fucked up scene because whenever I saw like the kid like kind of like stop and pick up the rock, I instantly thought like, oh shit, like people are casting into the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Like the SeaTac people are casting into these people. So like they're overriding their stacks. And then you see the bomb in the ash and you're like, okay, like they bombed them. All right. Mm. But then you start seeing like people scratches and the one girl shoots the other one. You're like, what's going on? And they kind of just get to you as like, oh, yeah, they they basically downloaded a virus directly into these people and they end up just killing each other, which, you know, like you think of like this world, that's super scary. That's like a – fuck, what was the movie called? It was a, uh, The Crazies. was a oh. very similar movie where basically yeah. this virus gets released and all these people end up just going crazy trying to kill each other. It's like zombie type stuff except without like the brain eating. It's just, you know, you're crazy and you try to kill people. Yeah, it's like bio-warfare, you know, yeah. uh, releasing some sort of, like in a bomb, releasing some sort of uh, virus or disease or something in the in the atmosphere that within a certain radius, because like she said, it must have been this Rawlings virus, but we must have been out of range um, when, whenever uh, Kel said that when she was on the bridge there at the end, um, talking to Kovach down on the ground. And, um, you know, that's it's really scary. I mean, it's just a different form of, of that same thing, but in this world and very scary. That was scary how they got them. I mean, they basically let them just defeat themselves. They did it to themselves and and they were very horrific to each other because they were very torn up. They did some bad. Oh, yeah. That one dude ripped his own eye out. And he's like, I did this to myself. Yeah, it took me a minute to like try to understand what what they were talking about. It's like what what did they mean? They did this to themselves. And that poor girl, uh, you know, when uh, Kovach finds them down in their caves, and she's like mumbling to herself. And I'm like, oh, somebody's lost their shit. Um, and and then it started to make sense whenever they said it later. But I mean, how horrifying! And and yeah, very true to to what could happen today if if somebody were were able to get their hands on on some sort of chemical weapon like that um that made everybody kind of turn on each other or like you said in that movie is that the same one where people were like just falling off of rooftops and allowing themselves to be run over by lawnmowers and no, things like that that was that was that Mark yeah uh the happening i think it was oh, called yes it was that where was like weird. oh in my shaman like i feel like he's the dude that comes up with, like these great ideas but he's like shit now i've got to end this somehow yeah. um how do we wrap so, this up? So, like, this is his pitch me. He's like, all right, so people, like, start going crazy. They start killing themselves. Like, they just, you know, they jump off buildings. They get run off by – get run over by lawnmowers. And the executive's like, yes, let's make it. And he's typing it. And he gets halfway through. He's like, hmm. shit. Um, <laughs> how do we end this? And he looks outside and sees trees. And he's like, oh, nature's pissed. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it was it was something like that, and and it, at least in a way I can't remember exactly the the what what caused that exactly in that movie because it's been uh, such a long time since I watched it, but um you know yeah, just kind of scary yeah. that something like that could potentially happen, and apparently not immune to that happening in the future as well. That's awesome. Anything else on your number four? I know nope. I keep interrupting that'll, you, so <laughs> that'll be, uh, yeah, that's my number four is just the stronghold. 
Cool. Yeah. What a place. I thought it was really interesting that, you know, whenever they're giving the tour, when they agree to join them and they're going down and into their like main cave and main dwelling and you don't just see like a bunch of militants. Yes. They had women and men, which I thought were super cool. Um, there were some really badass women in that group as well. Not just Kel. Um, but there were children. I mean, these were like families. It wasn't just, you know, this group of soldiers. They, there was a family, it was a community, um, so I thought that was really interesting. That kind of took me off when I saw the children playing and, um, you know, um, living in this like community type area. So I thought that was really interesting, the stronghold. All right. Well, that goes into my number three, which is family reunion. Um, we got Kovach. Uh, he was uploaded back into his home world. They're in this locker room and he's back in his own sleeve or body, however you want to call it. Um, and I'm curious, I don't know if this got answered later in the episode, if it made a little bit more sense as they were talking later in the episode about how like the effects of jumping and like recasting from sleeve to sleeve to sleeve, like you get ill from it and they have like things that you can dope yourself up with to help with the effects, but it still kind of messes with you. Do you think that's what was happening to him whenever he was staring at himself in the mirror and he was kind of feeling the side of his face, he was kind of feeling the side of his body and you could see his scars and stuff. Do you think that's kind of what he was experiencing, even though it was his own sleeve, you know, he's been kind of cast into different sleeves throughout his um sea tack um oh that's campaign. so you're saying that the the scars and stuff that he was seeing was the ones that he's like developed through years of being in different <sighs> sleeves well i don't know if it's that so much but just he seemed to be feeling like he wasn't himself or maybe he was feeling some sort of effect of being recast again because they kept kind of talking about that like there was an illness or a sickness that came with like being re resleeved all the time. Yeah. The way I took it is that like when you join SeaTac, mm-hmm. your body is basically like your stack joins SeaTac. Your body is SeaTac property. So like his body had been used for different missions by SeaTac officers that weren't him. So when he finally got resleeved back into his body, like those scars and like the broken ribs and the tattoo or the, the um, branding and stuff like that. I I took it as he had hadn't been back in his body since he was a kid. You think that was just kind of like getting reacclimated and being yeah. like this weird feeling of like, oh, it's, well, I'm back in my own body, and it's kind of yeah. weird. <laughs> it's kind of like those late late night benders, you know, where you get like blackout <laughs> drunk and then you wake up like two days what? later and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't. When did I get a tattoo? And oh my god, like. Why does my knee hurt? And then your friend's like, well, like we said not to get the tattoo, but you got the tattoo. And then you did a a sit-up competition with the cheerleaders next door. (laughs) And, I mean, you did pretty good. You did 150 in like an hour. We stopped even watching. Like the girls were like, we're going to bed. But you were still out there like a champ doing (laughs) sit-ups. I don't know this from experience. I've just heard these stories. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I've only heard these stories. Um, But, yeah, I guess it was just probably a little bit. Of, of being uncomfortable, maybe just getting used to being back in his own body. I can't imagine what that must feel like be going from body to body. So I can only imagine that that's what it is. But anyway, back to my point, that was just a question that I had as I was sitting there watching, like, why is he feels like they were making a point to show that to us, but maybe it had to do with that little bit of, I, I'm, I'm contributing it to like, maybe like a seasickness feel or motion sickness that you kind of get, you know, I don't know. But anyway, so he's back in his home world. 
back in his own body. They immediately get orders to go track down this bad guy and they're going to teach him a lesson in public and kind of make an example of this guy. Uh, they get to this uh, facility. He is ambushed in in a sense by this person and he doesn't necessarily uh, see them or he, he kind of does, but of course he doesn't see or he doesn't really recognize them, but he's, he recognizes that necklace. That necklace definitely plays a part because we saw it in the beginning uh, when they were children, um, this necklace that was his mother's and he meets his sister for the first time since they were children and immediately knew um, they immediately knew each other. There was this moment of recognition. And then immediately there was no time. Like they just had this moment where they kind of locked eyes and had this recognition of brother and sister. Um, and then they immediately went into fight mode. And it reminded me so much. I don't know if I've ever asked you this before. Have you ever seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Uh, I've seen trailers and stuff for it, but I haven't actually seen the movie. Okay. Well, I won't ruin anything or whatever. But there's there's a scene in that movie that this whole part of uh, this episode really reminds me of is they automatically just like sync with each other and they go into this it's like a dance the way that they were in sync and moved with each other as they were fighting like back to back and one would move this way and one would move that way um that's what happened here in altered carbon and it reminded me a lot of mr and mrs smith i I love that scene so much in mr and mrs smith with brad pitt and angelina jolie it's one of my favorite movies um just for fun kind of action silly movies um for anyone out there that's seen it let me know if you've seen it if you agree um but I really like that scene, how they just seemed to coordinate very well and started taking out um, all the folks, all the people that she worked with and had apparently grown up with since she was sold to them or given to them. And all these people that he's trained with, uh, they just start taking them all out. I really like that whole moment. Um, and so we find out after this fight we kind of talked about it a little bit she was sold to the yakuza and the yakuza like i said i did a lot of looking up in this episode is the name given to an organized criminal gangs from japan and then she was given to them as koban which means protege or apprentice so she was like given to them as like here we're going to give you a slave child that you can train um, to be one of your um, organized crime proteges and be like a soldier for you so i thought it was really interesting how they both ended up on opposite sides he's this you know um big international soldier going around the uh inhabited settlements and protecting the protectorate and she's working in organized crime and then they just happen to meet up in this chance encounter and uh, i thought it was interesting that you'd think that they would the government wouldn't sell it to a crime organization, but then that kind of makes you think that like, yeah, the crime and the government are basically the same thing. Yeah. Or they sold her to somebody else who then sold her to the Yakuza. Yeah. I mean, how much or could they, it just makes you question, are they working together in some sense? You know, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that something like that has happened. I think that kind of makes you question, especially with some events that happened later on in the episode. You know, talking about, you know, who was Ray working for in the end? Oh, yeah, good point. I didn't think about that. Was she was she working with SeaTac? Was she working with the Yakuza? I think we they probably want us to think that she was probably back with the Yakuza and that they tipped off SeaTac, but I mean something had to have happened, you know, from that point. Um Maybe. Um well, I mean, we don't know. Maybe they got they both got the same deal and they thought that going this route, because I guess I kind of assumed that, and but it was too short of a time for it to really happen that she kind of 
to keep herself safe, she sold everybody out. Like mm-hmm. she went to SeaTac to get in the the protectorate to just be like, hey, I'm in the woods. I know where they are. But I guess that'd be pretty difficult to do in the the place where they are. So I kind I think I kind of like your idea a little bit better that maybe they both were in a, a room and she was given a deal. Hey, if you join, we're going to make sure your brother goes to a good family, yada, yada, yada. They told him the same thing because they saw potential in both of them. Mm-hmm. So they're both SeaTac agents. And at some point they're like, hey, if we use both of you to infiltrate this uh, stronghold place, and then you can tell us the coordinates and we can take care of it. Like maybe we can do something with that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure more answers to come. But I just I liked the 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 family reunion. Of course, we get a lot of them together in the rest of the episode and see how that plays out. And I know we'll have more to say about that. But that was just it for this particular scene when they as adults and hadn't seen each other since they were children and separated in this horrible incident. They, they've lost their mother. He just killed their father. They can't even tell each other goodbye. And here they are as adults and they've lost all this time together. And it was just, it was heartwarming. I was really uh, happy. And of course, I'm not sure where I landed there at the end, you know, with everything that happened later, but I know in this moment I was really happy for them and I thought it was really genuine. I thought these two actors, you know, played brother and sister really well. They seem to have that. You can almost see if like they did have a real bond in a way um, as, you know, as actors, as brother and sister in the show. And I thought that was really nice and uh, a nice moment, at least, at least for that moment. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know that it lasted, but that's my number three. What's your number three? All right. So my number three, there's not too much on it because we kind of talked about it a little bit, but it's young Kovach. Mm. So, I mean, I kind of talked a little bit about his interrogation, um, you know, him going to settled worlds with SeaTac. Uh, the recruiting for him was very, like, he seemed like a very grown-up child. And he'd been through a lot of stuff. But mm-hmm. the thing that really got me is the fact that once he made the deal, they're like, all right, so what we're going to do is we're going to put your body on ice. And when you wake up, you're going to be in a full-grown man. Oh, so, weird. So yeah, so essentially they're taking a boy. Like, I can only imagine being, like, a 12-year-old boy and then being, like, waking up being, like, a 25-year-old dude. Right. Like, that would just be we- – like, I don't know how, like, mentally you'd be prepared for that. But, you know, he had to train quickly to be able to do that stuff. And I don't know if they understood that he was an envoy. I don't know if they, if it's, like, Jedi. They they test your medichlorians and they can tell, like, <laughs> oh, you have the medichlorians, so you're an envoy. The force is strong with this one. <laughs> <laughs> or if it's just, like, they get a sense of, like, oh – like, because – I don't know how many people would like see a kid. I mean, I guess you can in some instances, but to be able to be like, "Oh my gosh!" Like you're going to be like a crazy super soldier. Yeah. What is it, it, it that just, exactly that they saw in him? What because he he was able to kill his father, disassociate himself to, yeah. to protect his sister, and do what he had. Maybe he did what he had to do to protect his sister, and that's what the protectorate do. And I mean, you look at this world. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, you look at this world and it's very much like, you know, like the, you know, early 1800s in the United States where like it's just, you know, the wild, wild west where there's just so much open land that you're basically your family has a house probably hundreds of miles from anybody else and you have to survive. So you're kind of hardened from that. And that's where they grew up in this world, in this world where they're pretty much like left to themselves with their family. And he'd been, you know, hardened by that, I'd assume, because him and his sister because it's like you have to do these things to survive mm-hmm. you know it's like tales of our grandparents when they're like nine years old and they had to hitch up the mules and farm because dad was sick because if they didn't they're gonna starve it's like it's what they had to do right and so i don't know if you'd see that and be like oh well you're one of those kids way out in the sticks so you know you have to you, you know the only thing you have is this so you're probably good for it or your cannon fodder one or the other yeah 
So, you know, th- there's a whole thing with him and Jaeger. We've seen the interaction with him in the first couple episodes when he gets captured. I'm pretty sure Jaeger's still alive, so I'm really curious to see, like, again, there's another reunion that's going to be very interesting. Lots of reunions happening in this show in one form or another. But, um, yeah, that 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 scene, I can't imagine. We kind of talked a little bit about you know, that scene and him being put into a man's body. That had to be really strange to, I don't know if it feels strange because you're in a little boy's body and all of a sudden you're in a, a, a grown up's body. Like your center of gravity would probably feel a little bit off. Wouldn't it feel weird to like stand up and walk or, you know, get up or something? I don't know. It just seems like it would take some time. Like you're not just going to jump up and start, you know, training or whatever. It seems like that would take some time to get acclimated. And I just thought it was really interesting you know, he didn't have a chance to grow up properly. Uh, no, to, yeah. Takeshi didn't. He he was, I'm guessing, he looked to be around 12 years old. And he was wise beyond his years with, you know, he's um, like the resilient, abused child that he is. I think that we see that in, in other children and his kind of situations where he's forced to grow up and shouldn't have to. Like he never really had a childhood. So at the same time, it's like he's naive and innocent, a person who doesn't really know what normal looks like. And he's got very little experience with real life as it is for most people. And Kel says, you know, that she sees the boy inside the man, the child who had to grow up too soon. Um, I, I think that we see that a lot you know, that we've seen it throughout the series, how that's true. It's like, he's very wise, but yet he's kind of naive and, in, and innocent as well because of, of his situation. He wasn't really allowed to grow up and uh, he was kind of taken out of a normal experience of growing up uh, with, with the uh, situation that was kind of thrust upon him. So yeah, really good. Number three. I yeah, like so it. My number three is just young Kovach. Young Kovach. He was a cutie, a cute little kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number two, I'm just going to touch on her a little bit because I'm going to, I know we're going to talk a lot more about her, but just uh, Kel in general, um, just a quick hit on her. I, I liked it because we've met her off and on in different episodes throughout this, the series and I've been fascinated with her and I've been dying to learn more about her and, and who she is. Uh, I really love her character. She's strong. She's smart. Um, and she's a badass. Um, we definitely saw that a lot. And I, I really love how they, I feel like I got a good feel for her already, but I really love how they took this episode and they really fleshed her out. I loved getting more of her story. Um, I thought she had some really incredible insight in Kovach, um, in, into who he was. You know, you mentioned that scene on the bridge and I won't go into that too much, but just how she really sees into him. And she tells him that, um, you're only pretending to be one of the monsters. And oh, that was such a good line. Wasn't that great? And I think that we, we've talked about that, I think, in a couple of other episodes, these last few episodes where I feel like we're starting to see, to you know, Kovach kind of break, not really breaking down, but you kind of start to see the real him. He's not that cold-hearted envoy that he pretends to be. He actually has, I think, a little bit of a heart. We've saw that with how far he goes to save Ortega, even if he doesn't have to. He doesn't owe her anything. They were fighting pretty much all up until just a few episodes ago. Um, but you see the links that he's gone to. Oh, he obviously cares for her deeply now, and he might want to say that he doesn't care much about Vernon and his daughter, Lizzie, but you can see that he does. Um, so I, I really loved how she was able to just look right through him and see into the heart of him and really see who he was. I don't know if that's just, you know, 
her character or if there was something inside of her that she was able to see that, you know, like he has, Takeshi has this insight and, and we're like being an, um, whenever he's in SeaTac and being, I don't know if it's part of being an envoy or if it was SeaTac, but whatever it was that he was able to kind of, he had this intuition and like how he could kind of see through the walls and different things like that. I don't know if she had something similar to where she could see in, in, into him and see the real person, but I just love that. And I really liked getting to see her in this. And I know that we're definitely going to go in, you know, into more of a deeper dive with her, but just Kel in general is what I wanted to bring up. I think she deserved to be um, mentioned on her own. So well, I think what's interesting is the fact that you find out too that I think at least what she said is that she's the one that created the stacks. Yeah, she developed all that because she, you know, she talks about Rome and she does all these like very interesting like concepts of. I mean, because you look back in the days, like she's like, how did like you know Rome's greatest invention was like the roads because it allowed them to travel and see this world. And then from that, their armies were able to go and conquer. And she's like, I wanted to create like a way for like people to see the stars. And all I did was create the roads. And, you know, it's a very kind of dark because like you always think about progression and things like that. And it always seems like at some point there's people that butt heads about which direction to go. And that's kind of what it sounds like. This is what happens. Like somebody says like, no, this is how we should do it. And she kind of saw ahead of time that. All these things are going to lead to, which kind of seemed a little bit like, I don't know why you would think that unless you knew the badness of humanity already. Mm -hmm. But, you know, right away she's like, oh, there's going to be people that have money. They're going to be able to exploit this. And then there's going to be people who can't use it at all. Yeah, she, that's definitely more of her great insight that she has that she's able, I kind of question that a little bit. It's like, she's very confident in what she's saying as far as, you know, I've, I've, I've seen it. I know it's going to happen in, you know, hundreds or thousands of years um, and how we're going to, you know, like turn on each other. And what did she say? I lost my note. I know I had it on here and for some reason it did not cross over. I wrote it down uh, where she talks about, uh, where they're saving humanity and mortality corrupts the best of them. Um, and I'll definitely get into more of that later as far as um, my number one. Uh, I don't want to go into that right now, but I just, I don't know. I thought it was really great to see her and find out who she was. And I think that we find that a lot, that she was trying to do something good. Maybe it was a little bit selfish on her part, the reasons why she did it, because she's like, I wanted to explore there wasn't enough time to see all these worlds. So I thought, oh, why not do this? And she found a way to uh, make those digital conscious into a stack um, and be able to do that. And I just loved how we got to see more of that. I know we're definitely going to talk more into that because there's so much more to talk about, but I'll wrap it up for now. That's my number two. So my number two, uh, I had it titled just Ray because, you know, we got to see a little bit of her last episode and I absolutely loved her and still do. So some of my favorite things, but like she's got great humor. So like when we first see mm-hmm. her, she's saving him. She's a badass. But then she talks about like him tripping balls and she tries to save the sleeve. <laughs> you know, it's 250 years and we see that they both have the same tattoo. My question is, do you think that's I mean, it looks like it comes from her necklace. And at first I kind of thought like maybe that's their way to know that each of them's actually them. Like that's why he got the tattoo when he went into Riker's body and that's why she gets the tattoo now so that they know like this is their thing. Right. I think uh, so that 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 their tattoos seem to to mirror that necklace. You you learn that she somehow got into some money to grow clones and not only clones of herself but we learn that she's kind of been following Kovach around since the beginning of this uh, series. You know, she was mm-hmm. the woman with the snake. 
She was the uh, the guy that was working uh, behind the scenes with the uh, police chief Hemingway. And, yep, and she was the uh, the the little girl at the history museum. And I kind of want to wonder now, like, what was in the snake? Like, is it somebody that we actually knew because she talked <sighs> about him, or is it just is that not a a thing at all? Just it's just the snake and it was some dude, right? Uh, let's see. I mean, I got a ton on Ray. So we talked about her being sold to the Yakuza. Um, she uh, seems like a power drinker. You know, she was down in shots there very well, and she's just a smart ass. And the other thing I noted, and I felt like as they're going through the woods, and I try to figure out like how I would relate to her. And I really feel like she was like Rocket Ray, like she was Rocket Raccoon, <laughs> but it's Rocket Ray. <laughs> She did so, have quite the attitude when yeah, they were in the, the forest. The this was a lot easier think- whenever I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, the scene that made me really think of Rocket is like when they're sitting there and uh, uh, Kel is like, all right, who's going to join me in this, you know, resistance to, you know, basically end immortality. And all the people start raising their fists. And like, I was waiting for her to do it. And be like, yep, here we all are. All of us have our hands in the air with a fist. Just a bunch of assholes with our fists in the air. <laughs> Except for her. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's good. And I guess, the I mean, just another great line that I loved of hers when uh, they were getting taken into the uh, rebellion. She says, the fuckers stole my sword. <laughs> she so, did have some good lines. I mean, this is a woman that I absolutely love. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, at the end of this episode, we see that she probably turned her back on the resistance and Kel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really feel like, and I'll tie this a little bit into my, I'll wait to my number one to reveal why this is. But, um, but yeah, my number two is really just kind of Ray and that, um, her character in general and kind of how she interacted in this episode. Mm-hmm. I like it. There's so much to dissect. And I don't think we've seen, well, I hope not anyway, the last of just this, this piece of the story and what happened. And, uh, you know, kind of find out what happened there at the end and kind of explain what happened between her and Kel there at the end and just what she expected to happen. I think there's so many questions. Um, yeah, we're definitely going to go more into a deep dive and I'll just go ahead and jump into my number one because that's going to kind of talk about a lot of that and probably lots of questions that I have and we can just Uh, go into it because I think that's probably what we're probably itching to get to. At least I know I am. There's just so much. Um, So my number one is the uprising. So we kind of talked a little bit about, you know, Kel is having her speech and her moment, as you mentioned, in front of everyone. And, you know, she's saying that she can see what happened. She's like, what not, what not dying and living forever will do to people calling them not human. Uh, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, and, and they do kind of have their own, I don't know if it's a name they gave themselves or if it's a name society gave them, but meths. So they clearly are a little bit less than human, I think. And we've seen what living forever has done to them. And I found my quote, it was lost in my, in all these notes that I have, everything's kind of running together. But, um, what she says, Kel's quote was death was the ultimate safeguard against the darkest angels of our nature. Oh yeah, that was pretty good. I love that line so much, and uh, I thought that's that's perfect because humans, we really are our worst enemy. We are the worst. We, you know, are killing off animals left and right. We're the ones doing it. You know, animals are going extinct. We're killing our planet. You know, we we do all this to ourselves, and we we are like way worse than any 
like wild animal ever. And I think that, you know, as much as what we'd all like to think, oh, I want to live forever. There's probably a reason why we don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, I always think about, um, you know, if you listen to the Walking Dead cast, Karen's talked about this before with, mm-hmm. you know, like the zombie apocalypse, she always kind of mentions, you know, like she doesn't, f- I, I, I'm kind of paraphrasing maybe a little bit, but I always feel like she questions like, would this really happen? Mm-hmm. And I know like, you know, we talk about like, I, always, I guess I'm playing devil's advocate here, but a lot of times like, yeah, if humans live forever, like there's probably a lot of bad that would come from it. I mean, we're, we're kind of too smart for our own good. Mm-hmm. But even think about that with all that time, like, I mean, we're one of the only species that create art. We're the only species that, you know, have this cognitive, you know, discussions, you know, we're, you know, we create books, we create, you know, technology, we create all of these things. Mm-hmm. And it, but again, it's just kind of, you know, is it too many people? Is it just, uh, you know, we're too smart for our own good? Like I said earlier, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of the yin and the yang. Like there's so much bad that is caused by humans, but then there's, there's so much good that comes from humans too. You know, yes. And I'm not saying everyone who would live forever would turn out to be like, like these myths are. I mean, we've seen how vicious they are. I mean, they, they feel like the answer to no one that like they, they don't even they're like they're above the law. Uh, they're very brutish in their nature. They're bored because they've lived so long that nothing is new to them anymore. So they're always searching for the next extreme, like to give them a thrill, like let's re-sleeve a rapist or murderer into a snake and let's see what happens. Or let's have this married couple fight to the death and see who wins and whoever wins gets re-sleeved and upgraded and the other one gets downgraded. Um, let's eat a tiger. I mean, they just have absolutely no morals yeah. and they're not even, it's like they're not even human anymore. It's like they're, they're something else. And I, I think that that's probably just a percentage of the population. I, I'm sure there are nice meths. I don't know that we've met them so much in this world. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, what she said was, was right. Um, as far as death being the ultimate safeguard, I guess the darkest angels of our nature. Um, and her goal here, this, you know, she's, she's wanting to start this uprising and this war against, you know, basically immortality. Her goal is to end it and that death, death is what makes us all equal. And I mean, that's true, right? Because no matter how yeah, much money, much, yeah. No matter how much money you have or you don't have, we're all going to die. I mean, I know people are who do have some money, they're like freezing themselves and hoping that science will catch up one day and they'll be reanimated. You know, I don't know if that will ever happen or not. Um, I don't know that I believe in anything like that or not, but I know people are trying it. But that's really one thing in the end that no matter how much money you have, you don't escape death. And yeah, you can at least prolong it. But even in this world, like death can technically come for everybody. Like yeah. everybody isn't, you know, if your stat gets destroyed, even if you have a backup, like maybe they can mess it up. But you know, even like you're saying in this world, like there, there's people that do the, even not like just freezing their bodies after their death, but there's those cr- uh, cryos, was it cryos? cryogenic. And, cryogenic, yeah, yeah, where you go in for 20 seconds or a minute or five minutes, whatever it is, in like sub-zero temperatures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's supposed to like make your body better. You know, yeah. LeBron James is an NBA basketball player. And I read somewhere recently that he spends a million dollars a year on his like just body health, like things for his body. Wow. And, you know, he's in very peak physical condition. You know, a lot, you know like, my wife watches the basketball games like, why don't you look like that? And I'm like, <laughs> well, you know, I like pop Funkos. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's people today that are trying to prolong that. And that's that's where you'd see something like this if it's if 
you could get your consciousness into something. It'd be the rich people could probably afford it first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, are the worst people rich? I mean, I, I don't know if it's just a percentage of it, you know, it, but it's, it's... And how do you judge who who should be able to like... Because I agree with what you say as far as like, there's a lot of good that comes from, from humankind. Yes, we create art and we we can do great things with our lives but like how do you create make create amazing podcasts <laughs> yes to to have the greatest podcast ever to live forever and just podcast forever that's that should be our goal Sean uh we need to be um um be like do, the lost that's what our, we'll we we'll need to create a lost people podcast where it's basically the lost boys Yes. You know, we get the podcast forever, but we must feed. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We'll have to do the uh, the DHF. That's what they kept calling it. I was like, what the hell does DHF mean? Because I kept saying it like it was just nothing. And I have to look this stuff up. Um, and I did put that out on our social media if anybody's interested. in in like me, I need a little bit of help because they just they throw these slang terms around like you just know what they mean. I don't know what they mean. I haven't read the books, so it hasn't been spelled out for me. So I have to look this stuff up. But DHF means digital human freight and that means the code that makes up a person's consciousness usually stored on a stack so yeah we all need to go get um our dhf and we can just podcast forever um, because i'm sure people want to keep listening to us forever (laughs) (laughs) but anyway um yeah i just think it just really raises the question i mean who who's to say who can live forever and who's not i think that you can be perfectly awesome like at 80 years old and then you live be 250 years old like some of them and can turn into a complete asshole that maybe yeah, true. maybe you are good but it corrupts you because i think that's what she was saying that she thinks that she's saving she's telling them she's like we're saving humanity immortality corrupts the best of them so i don't know i think there's a lot to be said for that i'm sure it's not probably 100 percent true for everyone but i think that that is is certainly a danger and i think that there's maybe reason why we don't uh live forever and why we haven't found that that way yet so anyway that i i've got so many notes but as far as my number one that's all my number one that's really good yeah so i mean it ties a little bit to my number one um my number one is just fearing death mm. so throughout this whole thing whenever whenever she's you know she's telling her big grand plan you can tell ray has a fear of death you know she talks about wanting to see a million tomorrows with her brother mm-hmm. and it kind of raised the question it's like well do you want to fight for what you love or what you believe in mm-hmm. because you know in this situation if I, like if i'm with my wife and it's like hey or my and my kid for one it's like hey you know we're gonna stop all this so nobody can live forever and i'm like i mean i i would love to live forever with my kid and my wife you know like yeah. that doesn't seem bad to me she probably has a different opinion. <laughs> yeah, let's get her on here and let's ask her that <laughs> same question. <laughs> but I, I bet it, she'd say yes to your son, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, to the kid she would. She, for sure. She'd hesitate, maybe just pause a little bit before she. Did, <laughs> <you know? laughs> I'm teasing. I'm sure she'd say you too. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's just this whole idea of fighting immortality, and and uh, you know, it opens up whenever. Um, you know, he's talking about like that, like there's no death without pain. Mm-hmm. And so like it's, you know, I think, you know, that's human. Like I think humans are really one of the, the only ones that really think about death. I mean, I guess every, I guess animals kind of do in a sense of like, oh gosh, I have to run or something bad's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But it seems like humans have like the knowingness that they're going to die someday. And with, with the stack in the system, they, you know, technically they don't have to if they can survive, you know. And I guess maybe it's the same thing. It's like I have to keep, 
keep myself alive and keep surviving. So maybe it's more of an animal instinct that's getting kicked in on these people. Yeah, that's true. That's good. Uh, but I mean, it's just, it's kind of a, like a theme you're starting to see in this is just, you know, a fear of death, a fear of dying. You know, that's, that's why, you know, you see Kovach uh, kill his dad because he's scared that his daughter, his uh, sister was going to die. And he, you know, was scared that his mom was dying. He's probably scared that he was going to die. And that's why he joined the, the, the C-Tech group because he's like, okay, well, this is one way for my sister to survive. So I, I have to do this thing. Yeah. He was very adamant. Um, and, and so sad that he has to be that way and was forced in, in that type of position as a young boy, um, but to be so protective of his sister. And he's like, I just want her safe. Yeah. So he was willing to to do what he had to do because he knew he knew otherwise it was going to be bad for both of them. He had assumed his body was probably already taken away. Um, he, he and they have his his stack, his digital consciousness. Who knows what's happening right now with his sister? Does she go into some sort of like whatever their foster care or, you know, whatever system that they have for, you know, um, for children in that, in that day and age where their parents have, you know, both deceased or in, you know, some sort of CPS kind of system or something. Um, so, and clearly that it's probably not any better. They're not wealthy children. So they're going to go into like whatever the poor system is. Um, they don't have any other family. It sounds like that can take her in. So he was willing to do whatever it takes to, uh, protect her and keep her safe and um definitely a fear of dying for sure that they had <clears throat> at least at the hands of their father how awful anyway good oh, yeah good that's thoughts. my number one is just the fear of death okay well good good top five and i know that we're probably going to have a lot of notes here so let's i think we should probably just get into our notes and let's just talk this thing out because I think there's so much that that happened in this and one of the things that I noticed that I have in my notes was I really liked when they were in the construct in in the VR when they were holding Takeshi after uh, they weren't on that mission and he was caught Mm-hmm. And then she comes back for him. I really really liked how we got to see because you could see how she's whispering to him in his subconscious when, when Kovach was being tortured and you could see how he was, you know, kind of going back to his training and the things that she taught them on how to control it. Um, but you really kind of got to see it in this scene, uh, and how awesome she was. And I really liked, you know, how fully controlled she was. And it reminded me of like in the matrix when Neo became one. Oh yeah, matrix. yeah. Good point. Oh, just thought that was super, super cool because she just was like nothing. Cause she's like, your security's for shit. You know, I, <laughs> you, you get, <laughs> I really love that. Like, she's like, um, and then she's just taking hit and he's, he's Jaeger's completely per- perplexed. Cause he's like, I, how can you even hurt me in here? Um, and, and it just shows, you know, how she has that control. Like we saw with the weapons training and he, she's like, take me down. And she just completely, uh, takes both of them out. And also, um, his sister, when they're all trying to come after her, how in control she is and how she uses the sleeve. The sleeve doesn't use her. I thought she was really awesome. And I and I really like how we got to see, not particularly in this scene, but later on when you talked in that scene um, where they were by the water and we got to see Kel being vulnerable with Takeshi. She seems so strong and powerful and, you know, she seems impenetrable. 
bet with, with him, she's really vulnerable. And I really like that we got to see that other side of her. Um, and I think it really rounds out her character and makes her a true care, true like person. I know she's a character, but like makes her real and yeah. makes her really relatable, um, because she is vulnerable. Um, but only he got to see that. And I thought that was really awesome. Um, yeah. The only thing I thought was weird. I wrote this down because it was very like when they're at that scene, like it's, it was kind of emotional, I guess, to an extent where they're kind of talking about like, she's kind of breaking down and letting him know like what was going on. But, um, my wife actually watched this episode with me and, and oh, it good. was, it was a very corny moment, but Kovach is like, you know, forget heroes and monsters and like put his hand on her face and, you know, gave her a kiss. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down, this is a very like Jay and silent Bob to me is like, forget <laughs> heroes and monsters. Let's fuck. <laughs> and so I didn't say that to my wife, but I did say like, let's forget heroes and monsters and gave her a kiss. And she rolled her eyes and went to bed. Oh, <laughs> a little corny moment. Yeah. But the other thing that, so, you know, it was kind of just like, it's me and my weird humor. Like when they get up the next morning and his sister catches them and runs away, mm. like she stops him. She stops Kovach, Quel, uh, Kel does. And she's like, you know, it wasn't a mistake. Like, and to me, I'm like, she's saying like, Hey, us boning wasn't a mistake. And like, if I'm Kovach at that moment, I'm like, I never said it was. <laughs> it's all good to me. <laughs> sounds like you're trying to talk yourself into this. Right. <laughs> I had a good time, lady. Yeah. I think Ray was just really jealous, you know. Oh yeah. She yeah. she kind of gets her brother back. And and they've kind of been on this since they've rediscovered each other. Like it was just those two when they were children. You know, their mother wasn't able to protect them. Uh I don't think that they not that they didn't love their mother, but she wasn't able to protect them. And I don't know if they found fault with that or not. I don't think that they did. They didn't seem to be um upset towards their mother in the situation that they were in but she couldn't protect them so they felt like they only had each other and then they were separated they come back together as adults and find each other again uh and they're like they have that strong bond like it's us it's you and me no matter what happens from here on it's going to be you and me we're going to do it together you know whatever we do and she she agrees to join the envoys for him she said i told her talking about Kel that if you said yes that I would join too um and then he does the same he's like you know um well what about my sister you know if I join what what about my sister so so I think that at first they're having this strong bond and they realize it's just them them two against the world but then he see she sees him growing closer and then clearly that after their intimate moment um that he's gotten closer to Kel and I think she feels a little bit of a betrayal and maybe some jealousy. Uh, yeah, I can see that. That, you know, he's choosing her uh, in this mission. Like when she's talking about the uprising, when Kel's, ta- you know, having her speech and talking about the uprising and he agrees to this mission, you know, to, to you know, when they're talking about going to the, uh, uploading all of that to the DHF and doing it uh, spontaneously to every, to, to all of them at once. Um, I think that she saw that, you know, she was jealous and she was upset that he chose the mission with Quell instead of choosing her first, like she does him because she always chooses him and he started to kind of go away from that. And I think that's kind of what we saw like in the end, you know, um, you know, whenever they were talking about, um, 
you know, cause she tells him at the end, she's like, you know, I did this for you and I feel like I'm just so missing something. And, you know, like there's more to that line and I can't figure it out, but you know, we, we see more of that and I'm really interested to see, see what else that we get, but there's a lot to this. And I think we're going to see more, you know, we, like you mentioned, Kovach was following those little hallucination fireflies is what they mm-hmm. look like to me. Um, he was like following his intuition and found those clones. And so we see that she was Clarissa at Lauren's party. You mentioned her, that she had that rapist murderer, um, sleeved into a snake. Uh, he, she was sleeved in Hemingway. I don't know if that was a real person or if that's just who she called herself. I don't know if these were real people or not, but uh, we know him as Hemingway, the handler for Tanaka, Demi and Ghostwalker. And then she was that little girl, um, as you mentioned in the museum. She mentions to Kel, she's like, why? And who, you know, what, what are you doing? And Kovach asks her the same thing. And he's, she says, they gave me life. Who's they? Mm-hmm. Is it the... Who, is it the Yakuza? Um, is it the SeaTac? Is, is it, it you know, the protectors? Like who? Who's? Yeah, somebody's <laughs> playing some strings back there. It's I'm. You don't know who it is. I don't know who it is, and it's making me crazy. And she tells him, she says, "I did it all for you." And it's like, why does that feel so significant and seem to me more like just those words alone? It's like I feel like they have a deeper meaning, and I'm missing something. So. I was looking into it a little bit more. Like you said, she's Ray has been following talk around all seasons, secretly interacting with him. Um, we see Hemingway um, in that flashback going, uh, Takeshi, is that you? Um, you know, Clarissa, the art and antiquities dealer who convinced, she's the one that convinced Lawrence to hire talk and get him out of prison. You remember that? Uh-huh. Um, and then there's that little girl, uh, you know, talking about uh, that little girl at the Kel Envoy exhibit at the museum. She told talk about someone stealing her best friend. Oh, Oops. yeah. So she's probably talking about uh, him. Yeah. So there's, oof. I know it's probably just the tip of the iceberg, um, but I just, so much more to learn. And I feel like three more episodes isn't going to do it. Maybe it will. They were able to get a lot in this episode, but I feel there was just so, I know I'm not really, I'm kind of feel like I'm all over the place just a little bit with some of my notes and my thoughts. This episode really was kind of like, it's like all those strings we've been talking about getting tied. Like they all kind of started like falling to the floor. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh my gosh. Like, okay. All these things like, wait a minute. I forgot about this thing. I thought it was insignificant. Why does it matter? It's almost kind of like lost. And you're like, okay, why does the best friend matter here? (laughs) Oh, not lost. Don't bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about a tangled web. Yeah. Those are just some of my notes. Um, got a few other, I really loved that one quote that Takeshi wrote that little poem in that sketchbook with the song, where the song Spire Tree was, which I thought that was beautiful, by the way, in their cave, that song mm-hmm. Spire Tree. Oh, yeah. That um, was really pretty. It was beautiful. Um, and it's funny because I looked it up and because I was like, okay, so what is the significance of this? Because it clearly means something to him when he sees a song Spire in the Lawrence Bancroft home. Uh, he talks to Miriam about it. And, he's, and, and you can understand now from this episode, this, this one that we're talking about, why it meant so much to him when you saw it before, because he was really fascinated and he's like, you know, I haven't seen one in a really long time. And you could kind of see the same look on his face in this episode he saw in that like first episode, um, as you see, but I was looking it up. Cause I'm like, okay, well, 
is it just because he's fascinated with them? Did it really mean something? So I looked up Song Spire and it, they just describe it as an alien tree with hanging blue ornaments, a relic of the elders. No one really knows what they are, but they're pretty and they make nice sounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay. that kind of explains me. It's like, I don't know what it does, but it's kind of cute and it's, makes weird sounds. It's pretty. Yeah, I know. That's how I feel like I would describe something just down to its very basics. Like, I don't really know why I like it, but it's pretty and it, it sounds pretty. <laughs> so, okay. Um, but also we got that nice poem that we saw in that journal as well. Um, that was kind of intertwined with the song spire tree that said our bodies twined like tree roots, tearing stone, voiceless cries to a blind sky heard only by our shared in secret skin. Oh, I thought that was lovely. I had to just repeat that because I just really liked that and thought that was nice. And that pretty much wraps up all my notes. I feel like I'm just kind of all over the place because I don't quite know what to, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what was driving Ray. I don't know why she was uh, sleeved in all of these different bodies um, as Clarissa Hemingway and that little girl at the exhibit. Why was she following talk? Yeah. Uh, who Who's she working for? Who's she working for at the end when the ship blew up? You know, what What did she expect to happen? I think that she got backed up right before she blew up. That's why she couldn't yeah, remember yeah. what happened. Because she, she had like a machine to do it. So yeah. she remembered up to like 30 seconds before it blew up. Oh, okay. My mind, I feel, is a little bit scrambled. So I don't know if I can clearly go on with my notes. So I'm going to, I want to hear what, what your notes are and what your thoughts are on the rest of this. Yeah, it kind of touched a few of my big ones. Um, I'll leave my one that I'm kind of like, uh, on. Um, but... I, I kind of feel like Ray, like she's the one that killed the rebellion, and that's kind of the same thing. She was, so she was backed up, and, and I think she did it for for the family. Like I think she somehow got Kovach away from the group, uh, you know, let them do all these things so that her and her brother could survive. Like it was this, it was her way of, you know, making up for the the killings that they did. So this was their way that they could survive together. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of felt like when. Uh, uh, Kel told Kovach, he's like, survive, that's an order. I was kind of like, uh, that's kind of corny. Like, I don't. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, I just kind of threw me, threw me out mm-hmm. or kind of took me out of the moment. Agreed. And, and then the mo- it was kind of a comedic moment, but when the ship blew up, he's like, oh, you'll never get her, Jaeger. And like, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, ship's going to mm-hmm. blow up. Boom. Yep. Like, you should have waited. Wait for it to leave, uh, you know, atmosphere before you start bragging. Let it get out of out of orbit, away out of the the area there, out of the atmosphere before you say that. Yeah, you kind of knew that was probably coming. Do you think that Ray planned? On, I mean, to me, it seemed like she had it all planned out. But in a way, do you think that she had planned on, like you said, um, having her and her brother in that shuttle, and she somehow got stuck with with Kel? Do you oh, think that's, that's how point. she yeah. wanted it to play out, or do well, you think that? Um, and maybe she was going to back up both of them because mm-hmm. the the backing up was something that seemed planned because she had to have a special thing to do it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I, I really feel like this was a, a stab in the back um, to the rebellion from her, obviously, but I don't know if it was pre-planned. So this was planned before she even uh, got to the woods, or if this is something she planned in the woods where she kind of like snuck out and you know, left them some notes whenever they went on these, like, missions. Or when she stayed behind, she kind of, like, you know, sent notes to them to be like, hey, listen, I know where this is. Here's the arrangement I'll make if you basically give me and my brother amnesty and you can take care of these these rebels. Right. 
like I think she was so jealous that she wanted to get her and her brother out of there. She wanted to make it look like they were ambushed and they're escaping and that's that's just the way it happened and everyone just dies. But I think it was, you know, she was definitely planning something to get her her and her brother out of there. I don't know that that end quite went down the way that she wanted it to. Um, And interestingly enough, do you think she was really telling the truth about how she was found? I mean, that's quite a risk. Yes, she was like she was backed up. But how was she going to survive that explosion? Like her stack survived. Yeah, but I think she she told him the lie of that her stack was found and Mm -hmm. some historian kid like basically saved it. But her being backed up, uh, that that is her essentially that's you know, true in, in you don't have to somebody. be in the same stack that's right you can yeah, yeah. you can be recast into a different stack as long as your digital conscious survives and then, like, okay her yeah. dna to do it like i feel like there had to been some kind of like i feel like this was prearranged i don't know how they would have prearranged it because it seems like a lot of things would have had to happen mm-hmm. like coincidentally to make it work but that seems like the route it went the old, that's the only route that seems to make sense with with the events that happen yeah it doesn't seem to make sense that this was a last minute planned type of event that she you know decided to help formulate this plan and for all of these events to take place um but yeah when when did this happen when did she decide for this to happen or or start leaking the information and, and formulating this plan and, and having it all work together um, because it's not nothing that happens overnight that's for sure and and the timing has to be right as well so I'm just interested to learn a little bit more about that get some answers to that and then whose flashback do you think that was do you think that flashback in the shuttle with Kel and Ray was that her flashback was that what Kovach thought happened based on um, what I, I think it was kind of what he, I don't think it was a true flashback as much as it was kind of like what he thought happened and him kind of putting it together you know more of this the the show showing us what actually happened not really um not really like a flashback if that makes sense okay yep I was wondering about that I didn't know if it was like a flashback like this is truly what happened or this is someone's interpretation of what they think happened um so anyway whew Good notes. Did you have more notes? That kind of ties me up on this episode. Like it was long, it was good, and it like it answered a lot of questions. We have three episodes left too. <sighs> I don't know if I can take any more. It was so we have much. Three or four episodes left. Uh, well, this one was episode seven, right? Yeah, only three. So yeah, so we got eight, nine, and ten. Eight, nine, and ten. Yeah, um, certainly a lot more. I'll be interested to see how long the other episodes are, and I. I, I know where people were kind of falling apart a little bit when they when they were watching this show. I, I know a lot of people were talking like they tried to watch it and just couldn't get in it. And I kind of saw that a little bit. You know, I kind of, even though I, I myself enjoyed it and stuck with it, but um, I feel like if people had just stuck with it a little bit longer, you know, I, I feel like this is where like the last episode and this episode, I feel really brings this whole series and of course we have more episodes to go i can't speak for those and how well those are but i feel if people just stay, stick with it that they would get to see this and it would be really great and it would pay off i thought this was a great great payoff to to some of the other maybe not so awesome moments that we that we saw or maybe some of the things that turned people off um one other thing we mentioned the tattoos um i really love their tattoos and if like I would like one for myself, but I wouldn't want yeah. it to be that big. That's a really big tattoo. I'm, oh, I, yeah. I like tattoos. Uh, and I mean, I'm not against big tattoos, but just on my personal self, um, I wouldn't want one that big. But if I could get like a really little one, I would love, 
I, I like that. I like that Ouroboro symbol. And I really like how they have it in this show. Um, I put that up there as our cover um, cover picture on our Facebook page. Yeah, um, looks badass. I, I love that so much. I just, I love it's like the infinity symbol, but the Ouroboro, um, that really, I thought it was super cool. And one line that I forgot to mention was from DeSoto. That's the guy in... Um, in in their envoy group that him and Kovach were the ones that were always kind of butting heads a little bit and then ended up in having like an endearing moment. Um, I really like when he, whenever she, when Ray was arguing with him thinking that he left him, like he left Kovach behind on that one mission. And he's, he said, this line just cracked me up for some reason. He said, if I wanted him dead, I'd kill him to his face. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, I was like taking notes. I mean, I watched it the first time and I don't think I picked up on it. So I was watching it the second time I was taking notes and I was like, wait a minute, what, what did he say? I did <laughs> because it, it's like, if I, it's like, if you're going to tell someone off, I'd say it to their face, but he's like, well, yeah. if I wanted him dead, I'd kill him to his face. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Crack me up. I just had to mention that. I thought that was a funny line. <clears throat> anyway, uh, I feel like we could probably talk about that episode four days um, but we, we don't have that kind of time. So you don't have any other notes or anything else you want to say before we move no, on? That'll tidy me up. Like I am excited for the last three episodes to see how this comes to an end. And like, and we know that the showrunner I think has changed, uh, potentially for season two. I don't know if they even ordered a season two. So I'm not hearing anything official yet. Yeah. I keep looking, but I don't know. But yeah, I think, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I think there's been a couple shakeups, not bad necessarily, just a couple, maybe some casting changes and, you know, actors not in the same. We'll probably get more into that and some more news that comes out, but I don't know. I'm excited. I'm pumped. Yeah. I I definitely want to, I'd watch season two if it comes out. So yeah, stay tuned because we don't know either, but we'll definitely keep everyone in the know. Um, okay, cool. Well, let's move on to news. Um, I'll start off. So the first item that we have is from Sci-Fi Wire and some interesting news. This is for Black Mirror. Um, I know this is not on Altered Carbon. There's not a whole lot of Altered Carbon news out there at this moment. So I kind of wrangled in some Black Mirror stuff that popped up on my feed this week. So if you didn't already know, Black Mirror season five has already started filming. So I think we—I know. So we announced uh, what was it a week or so ago that they that we finally got the news that Netflix did order a fifth season. Which think I mean, how could they not? But you're always kind of what on the edge a little bit until you get that confirmation, right? So not only have they just announced yes, we want a fifth season, but they've already started filming. So. It's time to start mentally preparing yourself for another mind-bending season of Black Mirror <laughs> because season five has already begun shooting. We just recovered from the news that Netflix ordered a fifth season of the often bleak sci-fi anthology series, and now we've got another update. According to Radio Times on Tuesday at the Royal Television Society Awards in London, Black Mirror showrunner and creator Charlie Brooker, we love you, man, um, revealed that season five has begun shooting already. Uh, season five five we are filming one episode at the moment said brooker we are about to start filming another one imminently i'm writing the next one and then it gets a bit more foggy sounds like charlie brooker he's being so mysterious um so it sounds like even though filming is in progress there might still be a long way to go and since netflix has yet to announce when the next season will premiere we should probably brace ourselves for a bit of a wait 
Uh, I feel like Charlie Brooker's probably got like a, a binder of like, oh, okay, we need five episodes. Here we go. Here. One, two, three. Let's do these five. Yeah, just flips go. through his, his pages and probably just randomly pokes his finger at one and says, let's do this one. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think you're right. I'm, I'm really uh, excited. But yeah, it's going to be crazy if we get season five of Black Mirror before we get season three of Stranger Things. <laughs> I know. I think we're going to um, probably be waiting a little bit. I don't know if I have that necessarily in the news. There is some uh, Stranger Things news, and I'll just go ahead, and since we're talking about that, um, the next two items of news that we have is uh, focused on Stranger Things season three. They're not... They never really give away anything super spoilery um, or big spoilers, and I don't like posting or covering spoilers. But a couple of these items could be slightly spoilery. They're giving a little bit of insight as to maybe what we can expect a little bit for the next season. So if you guys don't want to hear that and you stay away from that stuff, you might just want to skip to the next section um, and skip the rest of the news altogether. So just a little heads up there. All right, so this first one, which is a little bit of spoilery, like you said, is from Entertainment Weekly. So season three of Stranger Things won't be hitting Netflix until 2019. But on Sunday night, the cast and crew hit the Dolby Theater in Hollywood for the show's Paley Fest panel to give fans a taste of what's to come. When EW inquired about the upcoming season on the red carpet prior to the event, executive producer Sean Levy said, It's very much the Stranger Things I think people know and love. It's big and spooky. Season 3 will legitimately creepy moments and events, but it is incredibly warm and character-based because at the end of the day, I think that's what people love most about Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Unlike the previous seasons, which took place during the school year, Season 3 will be entirely set in the summer. Think bonfires, the 4th of July, and young love. Mike and Eleven and our... Mike and Eleven are going strong, so that's a relationship that continues, and same with Mad Max and Lucas. But again, they're like 13 or 14-year-old kids, so that does mean romance at that stage of life. If you're already planning your sleep schedule, or lack thereof sleep schedule, for the next season's drop of episodes, feel free to justify staying up all night. Levy says he's in favor of the pro-binge approach. The way Stranger Things creator of the Duffer Brothers build these episodes is very much a suspense-driven show. So if you don't want to click through to the next episode, we haven't done our job. Which is very true. I mean, I think when oh, we watch so this, like, each one will be like, oh, I, just, I want to go to the next one. I know. We have to be some... <sighs> not the most, I will not give a, say that, but we have to be some of the most driven and disciplined people, um, not watching episode after episode after episode when we're covering Stranger Things, because we commit and we say we're only going to watch one episode a week. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times I'm sitting there watching and, you know, you get to those end endings and you're like, no. Oh, just one more. Let me just go ahead and skip to the next one. I promise it won't color my thoughts on, on this on this last one. <laughs> I've got so many pizza pockets. One more show. One more show. Yes. It's so hard. And, and I mean, I think it's true because they, and I know we've talked about it multiple times when we're covering Stranger Things, um, is how they kind of designed uh, this the seasons uh, season one was eight episodes season two is nine they kind of design it it's not really like a, um, an episode per episode it's like an eight hour movie I mean you really can sit here and and pull up season one and just watch it all the way through if you have that kind of time in your day or night um, and just watch those whole eight hours and then season two the whole nine hours that's how it was kind of designed it was like a just a real long movie which i love because how many times are you sitting there watching a movie no matter how long it is and it's really great and you're totally wrapped up in what's going on and then it ends and you're like man i could totally sit here and keep watching this movie for another hour hour and a half two hours 
if they would just keep it going. And that's what Stranger Things is. So totally. Okay. So this next item is from abclub.com. Um, so uh, in 1985, the year Studio Ghibli was founded, Super Mario Brothers was released and Back to the Future first zoomed into, into theaters. It sounds like the perfect setting for a new season of Stranger Things, which is just what the show's creators and executive producers have in mind. While at Paley Fest, executive producer Sean Levy teased the show's latest time jump, which will bring Eleven, Will, Mike, Nancy, and Steve, and everyone else into the start of Ronald Reagan's second term. So the Duffer brothers probably aren't thinking too much about the politics of the time, of course, not when the show could shout out the debut of Calvin and Hobbes and the the first flight of the space shuttle Atlantis. Levy name dropped Back to the Future specifically as a reference point for the new season. So while some elements of Stranger Things season three will focus on the romantic relationships we left off with in season two, Steve, meanwhile, will still be in dad mode. He says, we'll definitely get to see some more of Steve Harrington in season three. And I'll just say we won't be abandoning the dad Steve magic, Levy said. I don't want to say much more, but I literally feel that we are uh, walking along and we stumbled onto a gold mine with dad Steve. Oh, do you think that's actually going to be dad Steve? Like Steve's going to have a kid? (laughs) No. Oh, I no. I hope not. (laughs) I hope he's happy just, uh, you know, um, being like a, a dad figure to the kids like he was, um, you know, there in the back half of of season uh, two. So well, I, I just imagine not. like him and Steve, like they're at the golf course. All right, Steve and fucking Ted. <laughs> fucking Ted hanging and out. Steve's like, yeah, Steve's talking like how great it is to be with the kids and all this stuff. And Ted's like, what, you changed diapers? Huh, I've changed diapers all my life. <laughs> he, Watch this shot. He probably doesn't even know what a diaper is. <laughs> kids wear diapers? <laughs> Gosh, I, I, I want to see where we go with fucking Ted, season three. He's gonna, you know what's going to happen is he's going to be the hero before this show's over, and I'm going to be pissed. He's, they're going to turn him around. They're going to turn him around like they did Steve. He's um, going to be fantastic, Ted. <laughs> then you're going to have, we're going to have to, well, not just you, us all um, have caught on to that. We're all going to be eating our words <laughs> and um, not calling him that anymore. We'll see. To be determined, that's for sure. Who knows what season three will bring us. We're just excited to be getting a little bit of news out of Paley Fest this week on one of our favorite shows. Um, so the next item is usually uh, listener feedback. We didn't have any feedback on Altered Carbon this week, um, but we, we we do continuously get some feedback from you folks. So I want to thank you guys for writing in and giving us tidbits and telling us how much that you enjoy listening to us and how you listen to us for Stranger Things after having just kind of maybe someone introduced you to it and you kind of happen to stumble upon our podcast and you decided to jump on with Altered Carbon and that you're enjoying that as well. Um, I really love hearing hearing from you guys and, and letting us know how much you enjoy listening to us. It really means a lot because, um, you know, Sean and I do this for a lot of fun, but we do it for you guys too. And whenever you guys tell us that we're doing a good job, uh, you know, we, we always enjoy that. So I want to give a big shout out to everyone who, who continuously, you know, emails us and engages with us on the Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I really love you guys. So please keep doing it. Um, cause you know, I don't have a life, so <laughs> you want to keep talking to me and emailing me. I'll email you all night long. Um, so yeah, let's, let's do that. Hit me up. You know where to find well, I'm me. A, I'm going to have a talk with Poe. I mean, we're supposed to get these letters from the Raven hotel, so I'm not sure if he's holding them back for like our best interest. Cause he's like, you know, 
Maybe. I'm your one and only. <laughs> yeah, he wants to keep us all to himself. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he, maybe he's saving them all for the end. The best Ooh, for last, right? So, so yeah. But I do want to thank you, everyone, for engaging with us. You know, so much on social media. I do love it, and I did put out a little thing for everyone to go out and, um, you know, I was feeling kind of bummed that we didn't have a f- few more followers on our Instagram page, and you guys really came through. We got we picked up several more followers, so thank you um, to everyone for doing that. Um, it means a lot to me. So thanks. We have fun on there. All right, so next week we'll be covering the eighth episode for Altered Carbon titled Clash by Night. The, ex- the explanation for the, or the description of this episode is it's world rocked. Kovach dis- requests the Dipper to help him sew up the Bancroft case quickly. Ortega races to identify the mystery woman from the fight dome. Hmm. A Dipper. Uh, a Dipper's that hacker person, right? That's what yeah, Vernon's wife so. was, was a Dipper. So it's kind of like a hacker who can like get into the sleeves or, or not sleeves, sorry, the stacks and steal memories. I think so, yeah. And just so you guys know, so with us uh, kind of coming to the Alter Carbon, uh, we'd like to know what should we cover next? So in the coming weeks, we're going to be releasing a survey to kind of say like, what shows do you want us to watch and kind of see what people want us to cover next. So be expecting that uh, within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, well, we have a few, a uh, couple options that you guys can do like a, you know, choose multiple choice or fill in the blank if there's something that you guys would like to see us cover because we are coming at the end and we're kind of wondering, we'd like to know what you guys want us to cover next. What have you enjoyed? We, you know, Sean and I are still kind of new. We did focus heavily on Stranger Things season one and two. Um, We did cover season four only at this point for Black Mirror. Uh, which we enjoyed very much. And then, of course, jumped onto a new show that we didn't know a lot about and have had a lot of fun. But uh, we want to get you guys engaged and get your feedback. So um, definitely let us know. Um, Email us, Instagram. I'll put it all out on social media so you guys will see it. But feel free to just shoot us a message or or whatever randomly that something comes to you. Uh, We want to hear what you guys are interested in. Uh, What do you want to hear us cover next? I'm curious. So with that being said, we are so excited for you to choose a sleeve, any sleeve, tattooed, no tattooed, old, young. We love you. We're glad that you join us. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. And you can check us out on Instagram at Strange underscore Indeed underscore Pod. Yes, we have lots of fun there. Um, you can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like The Legion Podcast at podcastka.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or any of the other great podcastica podcast on Apple Podcast. Yes, Legion Podcast is coming up soon because Legion starts in one week, folks. If you haven't watched Legion, please do so. It's, it's on FX. It's going into season two. They are streaming season one on Hulu right now, probably FX on demand too. Probably I haven't checked, but I know it's on Hulu. If you haven't already seen it, check it out. I love that show. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, and speaking of shows and podcasts, all the great podcasts that are out here, you have to go check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday, like Clockwork Man. I've heard of that show. Is it pretty good? Like, is it all right? It's amazing. <laughs> 
And it's actually going to get even more amazing because uh, <laughs> it, we are about to hit our 200th episode. Amazing. That's so great. We are, it's 200 straight weeks of episodes as well. I know, like so, comic work. You guys never yeah. fail. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring on Rima and Jason, and we're going to do an Ask a Bro episode. I've got questions coming in all over the place. Like, this is going to be a long episode. It might be like a six-hour episode, but I want oh, more man. questions. And we've got some good ones. Like, I've got a lot that I really like. Some I'm going to be embarrassed to answer, but we're going to do it. So these are questions <sighs> that are like theoretical, personal, advice, just any kind of general question at all. Get those to us. You can email us at the Language of Bromance uh contacts or even just email Rima and I for Strange uh, Indeed and we'll add those to the list as well. Absolutely. You have all of our social media out there so if you want to put it on our Strange Indeed uh, uh, social media that's fine or reach out to Sean on his Language of Bromance outlets as well. Um, I would be interested to know what our listeners, not just uh, your own from the the bromance family, um, I'm kind of scared. And I, I'm, <laughs> I don't know that I like that you get to see some of these questions. And I haven't seen a one. I don't have a clue. I don't, <laughs> I, oh, I'm feeling very nervous. And I'm not sure there's enough alcohol to get me through that episode. <laughs> I might be passed out. You were talking about being blackout drunk earlier. That might be me by the middle of this <laughs> Like, don't don't listen to the episode, Rima. Like you, 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 yeah. Don't don't listen. <laughs> yeah, that might be our drunk episode that we keep talking about doing. <laughs> we still need to do that. We'll have to figure out a way to incorporate um, a drunk episode. But I'm super excited um, to do that, and I know that um, I'm going to go ahead and just speak for Jason and say he's excited to do it too. I know that he is. Um, he um, talked about how much fun this was going to be. Um, we love to get a little personal. Um, you know, and just why not? You want to know it? Ask it. We'll answer. Sweet. Uh, well, so that's going to be our show. And that is episode 31, Nora Inu. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Erica Land is strange indeed. That's not the evac Because they gave me life. But the truth is, big brother, I did it all for you.